0: Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.
1: What's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just A Thought with Sheree Nicole. I'm your host. I'm your friend. I'm your girl. I'm every woman. How about that? I'm every woman. Shout out to the late great Whitney Houston. But I'm so excited to be bringing you guys season four, episode six of Just A Thought with Sheree Nicole. I couldn't be more excited to share this conversation with you all. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna delay any further. And one of my favorite people. I just love smart people i just love accomplished smart and kind people attorney speaker reality tv star author and host of the hit nightly news show the Grill with ebony k williams the k stands for kind you can catch it on the Grill weeknights at 6 p.m she's here with me now i've been trying to get an interview with ebony for three years it might be longer
2: and we oh, you know what charade girl you playing but it's great to see you my gorgeous
1: it is great to see you it too.
2: She be <laughs> just making up stuff y'all. I've
1: been trying. I'm like, when did I get Ebony? Wait. And we made it happen. Shout out to Kennedy Fuller. Appreciate this. <laughs> uh, but I, but in all honesty, um, Ebony, I do, I just do want to give you flowers really quickly. Thank yeah. you so much for being a constant, not only in this industry, but as a person, when I first met you, you years were just so years ago at good old sister circle. And yeah. you have been a part of This tribe of women that if I if I need advice or if I need to lean in professionally about something, you have always made yourself available and to be as busy as you are and important as you are. I sincerely appreciate it. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Of course, sweetheart. Listen, I'm I'm proud of you. Um I've seen such tremendous. Um, expansion um, of your your leadership in this industry uh, from a producer space on a talent in your own right, um, and it does uh, it does a old broad good to see to see <laughs> young folks shining in their own light. It's really beautiful. So well, congratulations!
1: I thank you, I thank you, and thank you for for leading the charge on that. And I, I do want to ask you, Ebony, because it's interesting. Like I have always been just very much in respect of how you communicate standard. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. how you view excellence. I just love it. Some people have a time with it. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's a personal problem. But with sure. that said, before we got dive too deeply into some specific things, I do want to ask you, overall, do you feel misunderstood? And if so, in what way?
2: I don't think I'm so much misunderstood, Cherie, as I I become a mirror Right for society, and specifically, let's talk uh, localized for a minute and talk about us as a Black culture and Black community. And I believe that when you happen to be uh, a Black person, and you have the odd, aud- let me let me be more specific. When you happen to be a Black woman,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you have a specific way of being in this world, when you have a specific expectation around what your lived experience is going to look like in this world, I think that that could very easily, and on some level understandably, be construed as elitist, as thinking you are somehow different or better than some other or, quote, ordinary Black folks that um, are more accepting of more things, <laughs> um, a broader you know, kind of acceptance palette, if you will. Um, And I I think what I would just reiterate with the question is, what's for me is for me. That's it. It's for me. Um, You know, I'm big Virgo energy over here. And I make no apologies. And I don't take it personally when my very kind of specific demand and requirement For all aspects of my life, Cherie. I know we're kind of subtextually talking about, you know, dating and men and bus driver gate. But really, what people would be well served to know about me, and if there's anything that's misunderstood, it's that that's not a unique place of standard bearing in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I only uh, have certain types of women in my life as my girlfriends, right? And you know, you you know some of the ladies that that I I run with. I only live in a certain type of home. You know, when I recently went into my home buying uh, journey, which was uh, a, a long and, you know, difficult journey, which, you know, we should talk about. Um, yeah. I had, it was difficult and long, partly because I had a high expectation of where I was about to buy property in Manhattan, period. Um, I, I I have to look a certain way, you know? I don't just buy, like my little thing for clothes is I, I can't just like it. I have to love it. Mm-hmm. If I don't love it, I'm not going to buy it, period. Um, it goes for how I like to eat. It goes for where I went to school. So yes, I am a black woman in America who has the audacity to demand the very best in this life because I'm God's daughter. I'm God's daughter. And he said, and the word tells me that I shall have supreme living. Yes. And I actually, and I just, I just choose to insist upon it. That's all.
1: Oh. Mm. I might take that supreme live and make it a hashtag and put it on my Woman Wednesday post for mm-hmm. <laughs> next week. You mentioned I am a Black woman. You put a stamp on that a few times. And and I want to move to that for a moment because I saw a clip and I'm not trying to be messy. Okay. Because I know funky. Yeah, messy? I know, yeah. know, <laughs> know, know funky.neva personally. Okay. I actually oh, know him as Quentin Latham, I know him personally but i saw a clip that really grinded my gears um just an unsolicited unprovoked attack on chloe bailey and what bothered me is this i just feel like there's this constant barrage of bullets that black women continue to have to take especially in media up top and in, it's even on black platforms where why how is this happening where's our responsibility in making sure that we gatekeep certain things from happening right and so what is it going to take Mm. for black women in my opinion is my opinion guys to stop Mm. being target practice when it comes to conversations when it comes to pop culture we're in cancel culture but it seems that when black women are being attacked nobody's getting canceled it's just okay and moving on
2: so i will say in full disclosure i saw some rumblings um of this uh chloe bailey uh uh Funky D situation, I don't know the specifics, but I know the generalized uh, barrage of Black female uh, resentment that you speak about. And I think it's rooted in resentment and I use that word specifically. And I think it starts with this. What's it gonna take? Let me answer your question first, uh, Mm -hmm. Sheree. What it's going to take is more Black women like myself, more Black women like Megan the Stallion. I wanna use her very specifically in this particular moment. Um, More Black women like Anita Hill, more Black women who are willing to bear the cost of disrupting societal norms for where Black women should be, which is in a place of subordination and submission.
1: Yeah,
2: and it's going to take more Black women saying, "You can talk about us," because guess what? They talked about Jesus. That's what my mom always say, right? Mm-hmm. Um colloquial way that we as black culture refer to they let's be very clear i know because don't
1: be coming <laughs> for this podcast or ebony right not, we're not trying apologize. to apologize to nobody like let's That's why let's just, be
2: just, we just gave it just that cultural context right but it's going to take more black women uh Sheree, and there have always been many of us from the dawn of time that are willing to say you can call me ugly it's it's, it's very miss sealy mm-hmm. i'm black I'm ugly, don't nobody want me, but guess what? I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. And that's the thing. Y'all, you know, drag me on this platform, drag me, you know, some people still litigating the merits of Meg the Stallion's shooting, even though a jury has ruled and convicted. And you still have individuals, including some black women. Yeah. So let's not be at all mistaken as if misogyny or sexism is only done at the hands of men. It's a plenty of women carrying the pale of misogyny on behalf of that system. Just mm-hmm. like there's plenty of black folks, unfortunately doing the work of white supremacy better than the oppressor himself. Preach. So it's important, that we, it's important that we name that, right? But, but, but as long as there have been black women, Shereen, you know this cause you are one and you come from a long legacy of them, Uh, There will be Black women like us who will continue to stand in the cold, who will continue to take the barrage of targets and bullets and and whatever else, and we will continue to stand because that's what we are built for. Now, would it be nice to be able to live in this soft girl era I keep hearing about? (laughs) Uh, It would be lovely. I would really love to to know what that's like. But unfortunately, the way my integrity is set up,
0: Mm. the
2: way my insistence is set up, I will continue to have to, um, you know, I guess live hard, if you will, to, to kind of use the summer Walker framing. Right. It's like, you say, you want me to live a hard life, but the circumstances you create for me require me to be hard. Mm. So until we kind of reconcile that disconnection, this is, this is where we're going to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, when we started talking about you being a mirror, and yeah. I thought that was such a great metaphor to use. I also think it bears a, a huge weight of responsibility. Yeah. When did you realize that you were a mirror and when did you own the responsibility of that comfortably?
2: Comfortably. Let's look at a key word there is comfortably. I would say it probably was during my tenure on Real Housewives of New York City. Uh, obviously the most visible platform I've uh, experienced to this point in my career. And the the visceral reaction Uh, both inside of the culture, but also obviously outside of the culture, both good and bad, right? There were, to this day, tons of people that felt my representation on that platform at that time in the context of those particular white women I was cast along was very important. They thought it was very um, strong representation of what it looks like to, again, be a Black woman and insist Upon a certain way of being, insist upon a certain level of respect. Insist upon a certain amount of space created um, for my existence. And then there were those who thought, you know, it was all too much. There were those that thought it was all, all too distracting from their desire good time. Who mm-hmm. thought there was just too much uh, that I took up too much space. Um, as the first and only black woman on that particular platform who has a known history of white shenanigans. And I think all of it has points of uh, validness, depending on your point of view. And again, that's where I take it on the chin. But that's where I knew for sure that I was serving as a mirror because all of that commentary and all of that vitriol, no matter the direction it was aimed at, was not at all about me, even a little bit. This was all about people's personal kind of reconciliations with how they show up at work every day and the microaggressions they let slide by white colleagues or even catch this tea, their white romantic partners or spouses whom they share a home with. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, other things about their, it was people that were upset because they know that they themselves hold and espouse anti-Black sentiment, uh, Mm. anti-Semitic sentiment, trans and homophobic sentiment. And they, how dare someone call someone else out because that just means it's going to be just a few minutes before somebody calls your ass out. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mira does
1: want to be a mirror. I'm gonna work on that. I'ma try to be one too, because that's fun. That's fun to me. We need it fun. It can be fun, but I'm not gonna it could be fun, but it
2: it 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 will cost you though. I do want to be mm. clear. I, mm. I got a lot of swag and, and bravado with the way I move through this world, but you've known me for many years. And so what one thing you can attest Cherie is that this takes a coat of armor to do the work that I do and exist in the spaces that I exist in the way that I have for so long. A lot yeah. of people come in this business, a lot of people go, right? We've both seen it. Um, so to stand, whether it's on Fox News, to stand, whether it's outside of the culture with Revolt, to stand on The Griot or Housewives of New York City season 13, uh, or as I'm about to do as a judge on my new show, Equal Justice with Judge Ebony K. Williams. But to stand in that consistently on the 10 toes of integrity, truth, and honor of mm. um, that requires some, some armor. That's, that is, that is not for the faint of heart, babe.
1: Absolutely. I want to, before I want to dive into bed on black before I do that, I do want to ask you about just the, the whole bus driver gate. We all know that happened. I'm not going to necessarily dive deeply back into that, but I do want to ask you as as one black woman who who I I, I guess I could say I'm just a little successful. I'm trying to be on Ebony's level one you are day, but, very successful, Doctor. You stand stand, you better stand in that success. Go ahead. When you maneuver as mm-hmm. a successful black woman, yes, there are things that come along with it. And in 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 certain respects, dating can be a challenge. And I don't think that's discuss- that was discussed enough in your case. More so was about well, she. She says she don't date a bus driver. The criticism was around your preference versus what does it really look like to wade through the waters of dating and relationships as someone who is highly successful? What has that been like for you? And what have you learned about yourself in the process?
2: Right, okay. So let's go to a a topical example. We're journalists, right? Let's let's pull Mm -hmm. a news headline that everybody's talking about right now, which of course is the fact that Halle Berry has Mm -hmm. just been... um, making headlines for having to pay $8,000 per month for her own son to her ex-husband, Olivier Martinez. Okay, so everybody and their mama's talking about this. Most people are Team Hallie, right? Most people are saying it's terrible that a woman is having to pay child support for her own child. Now, we're looking at it in the context of Halle Berry and that's fine. But the reality is, there's a lot of Halle Berries walking around among us. Now, I'm not saying that we're all Oscar winners and that we all have, you know, I'm just gonna say a hundred million dollar uh, you know, wealth portfolio, but I'm gonna say something that's gonna make some people uncomfortable, Cherie. There is a significant portion of Black American women, particularly when you're talking about in some of the major metropolitans that are living in New York, Atlanta. D.C., Chicago, Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, and the like, right? Mm -hmm. And many of us are making north of a quarter million dollars a year. That's a fact. That's a fact. There are some of us who have been blessed beyond measure and put a bit of hard work in. And we've eclipsed that seven-figure mark. We are actually numerically, and I'm not speaking hyperbole here, I exist along with a cohort of other Black women just like me, and we encompass a part of the top 1% of income owners in New York City. That's our reality now, and it's a blessing. But to your point, let's get under the hood, right, of what this does to traditional romantic relationship expectations and let's say gender roles. Now, before I go on, I wanna preface this with wh- where I'm about to go in the analysis is gonna be very um, heteronormative uh, because of the, the way I wanna frame this, but I wanna make the space that not everybody's a damn heterosexual, okay? Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that's let's just say that because that needs to be said mm-hmm. and that these gender roles can look very different based on that construction. But let's go to trad- good old fashioned old-fashioned heterosexual relationships where the currencies that each gender brought to the table were as follows. Women were assessed and valued based primarily on their youth, their aesthetic beauty, and their fertility, their ability to uh, carry and birth your big-headed children. OK, <laughs> that that, and it's pretty much in that order. Youth, aesthetic, beauty, fertility. Those are the main. Th- and then all the, the nurturing, the cooking and the cleaning and all of that. Right. Your ability to create a softness in the home. Uh-huh. Right. Now, let's go to men. Where, where have we historically evaluated men's worth? First and foremost, financially, can you provide a roof over our head and the heads of our big headed children? OK, that's very important. That's been the primary thing that society has said that men bring to the table that we value as a society, your ability to financially provide. Then it. Then we get to the other stuff, your stature, right? It's a reason what tall men, for instance, have a social advantage because they are perceived at least to be better protectors, mm-hmm. better protectors. So those are the ways in which we historically have always valued respective genders. Now, when you remix it for a current era, where again, this is not Ebony um, hypothesizing, the numbers tell us Black women are out earning uh, by way of income. We are graduating from undergraduate and professional schools at a rate of almost 7 to 1 compared to Black men. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are owning homes at a rate of two to one. So for every single Black woman that buys a home in America today, uh, because we make up 20% of all home buyers, are single women, actually. It's Mm -hmm. only 9% that are single men in the same scenario. And this by no way is an indictment of Black men. And this is part where maybe people are misunderstanding, right, Cherie? Mm -hmm. This is saying that there's a variety of systemic things at play. Everything from mass incarceration, everything from a drug war, everything from Shit, we can go back to, um, you know, the breaking up of Black family during Black enslavement, right? So there's a lot of reasons (laughs) as to why Black women and Black men have been positioned socially away from one another.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Mm Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: But as we see that strata bear out in real time, fast forward to 2023, you have a situation where you've got a collective of Black women who are now bringing, quote, to the table, you know, where where we are... uh, kind of where we have a a surplus of value are in things that historically we are not valued for. Mm. We are now, you know, that this this is the hard truth, right? We are now bringing tons of education. We're bringing all the degrees. We're bringing a a, a surplus of assets. We're bringing deeds to homes. We're bringing, you know, y'all get it, right? And guess what else is happening? As I found out very much so during Bus Driver (laughs) Gate, I became extremely old. Everybody talking about how what what an old spinster, uh, what you call it, old hag, dried up, middle-aged, don't nobody want you type of bitch I was. Um, I was barren. I didn't even know that, y'all. Me, normal fertility, barren, can't carry no kids, no way. Who wants you? What else did they say? Um, Oh, and some people even wanted to to fake and pretend and make me broke too. So I think that we got to look at the fact that whether it makes you feel good or not, this is where Black women are. A lot of it, we didn't want to be. Let's be candid. You know, I, I think if if we could live the soft life, most of us would choose to. I mm-hmm. think a lot of us have had real circumstances and real fears that if we don't go out and provide for ourselves, if we don't go out and protect ourselves and our children, we will be left without. And guess what? A lot of us, we're not going to go without. I just told you, superior life, okay? So <laughs> that's not happening. Then let's talk about men. Um, a lot of men have been undermined in their ability to be some of the highest earners. We just talked about all the systemic reasons why that exists. So you've got an imbalance here, um, and so until we get honest about how are we reframing our expectations, right? All right, because I agree with with the feedback that said, well, Ebony, you know, you you are. Forty, which is right at middle age, you are on the back end of your fertility. Uh, the things that really would have made you most desirable to most men are no longer at play in the same way. So the men that you want, and they're right about this part, right, Cherie? The, the men that I'm attracted to are not looking for a financial or even an aged equal. They're mm-hmm. looking for youth and fertility and those other things. So it creates this um, this disconnect where you've got the each gender kind of wanting different things. from, Because the other side of it is, yes, I do want a man who's at least a financial equal. And unfortunately, a lot of these men are not able to participate at the level. And the ones that are, because there are definitely men and black men especially that can participate. But what are they attracted to? Because often again, it's going to be the youth. It's going to be somebody who's um, got more time on their hands to be able to accommodate their lifestyle more accordingly.
1: Mm. there's so much to unpack there there when this is over i'm gonna go back and listen because that just ministered to me in so many ways and Mm -hmm. another thing that ministered to me is bet on black this is a phenomenal Mm -hmm. book guys if you don't have bet on black the good news about being black in america today by ebony k williams you don't love yourself um and i want to dive in a little bit especially with this election looming and all this political ping pong being played it's crazy um, but in part of your book, you said, and thus, as Black people, we have to be more demanding individually and collectively, placing what we need on the table up front, unapologetically, with no shame, and with the willingness to bear the consequences of our demand. Mm-hmm. When we think about this upcoming election, how yeah. can we use what you said here as a template, as Black folk in particular, to not look up in 2028 and be complaining Mm. about the same things we've been complaining about seemingly since the beginning of time
2: yeah it's a it's a great inquiry there I, I think to be direct I think we got to get single issue and that's hard right from a political standpoint because we as black Americans have so many pol- you know social ailments uh we'll be here our day we got a healthcare crisis we got an education crisis we got a home ownership crisis we got a, a mass incarceration crisis right but I think when we let's just say this, when I look at other groups, I could be talking about Jewish Americans. I could be talking about. Gun owners, I could be talking about reproductive rights of women. Right. So so, so let me just kind of get more specific, I, APAC, which is a, a, a political uh um, Organization that advances and lobbies for the, the, the rights of Israel and American relationships, which a lot of American Jews are supportive of. NRA. OK, that's your National Rifle Association. That's your gun owners and Planned Parenthood. So that, that kind of gives you a nice spectrum. So this is not a left right thing I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about when you look at the most effective political lobbying groups in America. And I just named you the three and there's others, but let's that's, that's go top three. Planned Parenthood, NRA, and APAC, the thing that they have in common is they are singular in issue. Mm. APAC cares about one thing and one thing only is Israel. Period. NRA cares about one thing and one thing only the most unabashed ability to possess and purchase guns and sell them in America. Period. Planned Parenthood. One thing now they do a lot of things, you know. I I've got a whole Paps Mary playing parenthood before. Don't worry about it, mind your business. But <laughs> but healthcare was expensive in those early years. But anyway, the main thing that they focus on in their lobbying is again the most unfettered right of a woman in America to get a safe legal abortion. Until Black America's political consciousness has that kind of meticulous focus, in my estimation. And we say, we're gonna pick an issue and you can pick anyone I say. Now, personally, I think we pick reparations. Here's yes. why, here's why. And I can't believe I'm saying this because if you would have told me 20 years ago uh, that I would have said this, I would not have believed you. But I've, I've shifted my analysis around it. And not because I didn't believe we deserved them 20 years ago, we've always deserved them. I didn't believe it was politically viable. But now I do. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, I know more history now. So number one, when you look at the fact that every other group that has suffered the blood of America's tyranny, whether it's the Japanese, whether it is uh, some of the Jewish uh, Europeans who were denied entry uh, after the Holocaust and during the Holocaust, whether it's some of the indigenous folks, now you can never give them enough. For their blood and suffering, but but they they they've gotten some minuscule level of compensation. Point is, everybody else has gotten some. Even the enslaved, the the slave owners, who seceded from the union, who were literal traitors and terrorists of America, guess what they got? Reparations. They did. They did. And so Jesus. now there is a legal template that says Black Americans all, and let's be specific. And California is already doing some of this work of teasing out which Black-identifying Americans would be qualified for reparations, and that's going to be important in this work. Which descendants of enslaved Africans are due to receive reparations, what the proportionality is. And then the other thing on this, Cherie, is just like many like to argue around abortion as a moral issue, reparations is a moral issue. Yeah, and true. I think the more heavy-handed we are in the framing it around the morality of our nation, the more successful we are politically. And when we talk about a real reparations package, which doesn't necessarily need to only be a check, the way we get um like a COVID check or so, you know that type of hardship, it it really should be, I think, um, multifaceted. I think there should be some level of cash compensation. I think primarily I'd love to see 0% interest rates for home loans. I'd like to see a revisiting of everything that Black people were excluded from in the New Deal legislation. Mm. I'm talking about, like I said, zero to to very low interest home rates. I'm talking about zero down payment for home And I keep talking about homes because we know that we're talking about wealth building because income is one thing, wealth is something different, right? Yeah. Well, I could be in the highest 1% income in New York and Texas and everywhere else. But if you ain't got no assets, bitch, you broke. (laughs) Bitch, you broke. Okay, so we're talking about wealth, asset building, and home ownership, as we know, is a key gateway opportunity for most Americans. That's how the middle white class of America became the middle white class of America. Through all of that 1940s GI Bill uh, le- legislation that allowed them to participate in home ownership most of them for the first time yeah so you know, this wealth gap uh, the way it looks today y'all it's relatively recent when you go back to the origin story of the united states of america most whites were not wealthy most whites were of the planting class let's talk about, see people don't know their history mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem we kind of think of binaries of wealthy whites and poor blacks maybe that's all new We think about the construction of race. We think about Jewish Americans, Italian Americans, Irish Americans, baby, all of them just got white 60 years ago, 70 years ago. You know what I mean? They were red lines away from the best schools, just like we were. Yeah, All of this stuff is doable in a way that I think a generation or two ago would have seemed so far-fetched, but now that we have more factory, now that we understand the legal precedent and template, now that we understand the ways in which certain policies have a In almost immediate, severe effect on wealth building in just a generation, I think the single issue America should be talking about as it relates to political negotiations going into 2024 is reparations or bust.
1: Mm. Can you lead the charge on that, Ebony? How how much? Yeah. Who me?
2: You want me to be more
1: of a mirror? yes i think you could you, you could you of course you can handle it that's not even a question child
2: these people don't want to hear this truth i don't think so I don't think so i think there's too many gre- this is where i become unfortunately um uh, you know what? what's your girl jocelyn uh is it don't don't jocelyn? don't take jocelyn hernandez from yeah. uh what she said one season i don't really watch it but my girlfriend told me because she's got a extra- beautiful body right yeah and pe- I it one season early on people were like girl how do you look like that what do you do Da-da-da. and she's like bitch i can tell you what i do you're not gonna do it you're not gonna do it and you know this. you're a fitness pro you yeah. know so i could tell you it like i just laid out that brilliant argument for reparations or bust congress ain't gonna do it Hakeem them not gonna do it um who that Chucky schumer name and you think chuck schumer is gonna adopt what I just laid out for you, girl, no. please. You know, and so that's a whole nother conversation, right? Yeah. Where we've got political leadership that um, despite some good intentions from maybe some of them, because I do want to yeah. say for I think Hakeem Jeffries has great intentions for black people, but I think you're talking about a bureaucratic machine known as American legislative policy that would make that extremely difficult for those that are actually in effective uh, elected office.
1: Mm, i i agree a couple more questions before i let you out of here ebony um last question about bet on black because mm-hmm. you are a woman of excellence because you are extremely just researched and studied across the board how would you like black people in particular to mm-hmm. qualify excellence mm. when they read this book what do you want them to walk away with when we talk about how to qualify excellence
2: Yeah. I want to answer your question with the inverse, which is how I don't want them to qualify it. I don't want them to qualify excellence for us as black people based on a white standard.
1: Hmm.
2: Right. I did a really strong podcast with the Brothers of Surface Level recently. I'm sure you saw some of it. Um, I think people can get triggered by the term black excellence, because underneath that is this presumption that we got to do more and prove better because we're Black in a way that whiteness gets to just be mediocre. Mm-hmm. White just gets to be default posture. So when I talk about excellence and bet on Black, I y- y'all got to understand, I finalized my divorce from white acceptance and white perspective and white concern. I don't care about what white America or whiteness or white people think of me at all. And because I totally divorced myself from white, Gaze right.
1: Yeah.
2: I get to establish my template for what excellence in all endeavors and form look like for me, yeah, based solely on a known, learned, studied pedigree of really African ancestry. You know, so so I make the argument, as you know in the book, that black blackness is innately excellent, contrary to popular belief. That blackness, when you look at kind of our pedigree, and I'm not, of course, saying all black people are all excellent all the time, we're individuals. But when you talk about the social construction of black aesthetic, the social construction of a black intelligentsia, yeah. of black collective ways of being, tell me that's not excellent. That's by, that, 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 that derives from an innate posture of excellence. So yeah. that is the framing in which I want people to really understand excellence as I put forth In Pet on
1: Black. Mm. speaking of excellence what does the next elevation for ebony k williams look like
2: hmm. i could tell you about it but i'd rather show you
1: lord have mercy now i got to wait you got I, to wait I mean,
2: <laughs> you no know, but I, I and i say that in jest but i also say that because listen and everybody you know uses social media as they see fit um yeah. and it can be an incredible tool but Personally, I'm just not a big fan of the wait till y'all see what I got coming, y'all. Hold up, check back in next week. I got an announcement for y'all. That's just not really mine.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
2: <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> when, when, when the shit gets ready to pop, y'all don't, y'all don't know about it. The, I, don't, I don't understand... The thinking, I guess, I guess I also am not a big fan of kind of suspended anticipation. (laughs) Um, I I like to just go ahead and let, just hit it. You know what we talking about? What we getting ready for, bitch? I'm I'm tired of getting ready. I'm tired. You know? So let's just, let's just show, premiere the show when the show is ready to premiere. Announce the thing when it's ready to, put the book out when it's ready to be published. What are we talking about? Y'all don't see it?
1: Ebony said it, not me. Y'all gonna see. I, also yes, to see. Sure. I promise
2: y'all, I always keep something fun for y'all. Like every three to six months, we, we got something fun coming.
1: Ebony is out here podcasting, executive producing, <laughs> hosting, yeah, authoring, literally a jack of all trades. Like the personification of a Renaissance woman is the person cool. I just got a chance to have an amazing exchange with. If you are not catching her right now, on the Grio with ebony k williams week nights at 6 p.m yeah i won't judge you and neither will ebony just make the change and make sure you tap in because it is a show that is extremely important for mm-hmm. the culture and also a way that you can get valuable information because it's all we talk about politics and all these different topics but yeah. we can't make educated decisions we can't even have educated substantive conversations without information this is a great yeah. way for you to get that so. It's a show where I'm really proud
2: of, too, Sheree, just before we go, because yeah. uh, like I say, we, we touch on all the pockets, right? Like, obviously, he yeah. had a little viral thing with the bus driver gate, and that was cute with Dr. Von Zott and all that. <laughs> but when you really watch the show, in addition to some of those cultural conversations, which, yes, we do have, uh, we center in the stories of uh, the beautiful Black woman who's 63 years young in Hilton Head, South Carolina right now, who's having her land being threatened to be stolen from her. Yes. By the government, uh, we tell that story, and how, and not just tell the story. We tell you how you can help this help this young sister out. Yeah. You know, we tell the story of Uncle Willie's barbecue. Uh, which has been ran out of business because a Marriott hotel company wanted to disrespect its placement. And we talk about those types of things. We tell the beautiful stories of Black entrepreneurship and Black ownership. We just featured our mutual friend, Miss Giselle Phelps, and Grand Rising Talent on our Black business feature this mm-hmm. month, along with many others. So the grill is really a place where, and then of course, after every single episode, you're going to get Auntie E's take known as the sidebar. Um, and in that, you know, I give it to you straight, like that whole reparations thing. That was an example of a sidebar, you know, where I tell you flat out, listen, we talked about the March on Washington today. This is my take on how that applies to us 60 years later. Boom. Here we go. You know, so six o'clock, check your local listings also available on streaming. The Griot is a really great place. And then you got Mark Lamont Hill show at seven right after mine. If you want some more good tea.
1: (laughs) And 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 speaking of tea, you might not get too much on Ebony's social media, but I still want her to share it anyway, so that you guys can tap in and follow and comment if you are not already doing so.
2: Yeah, y'all catch Auntie only on Instagram at Ebony E B O N I K Williams. I don't do I don't do none of that X TikTok none of that other shit y'all doing. Just Instagram.
1: I'm barely on it too, Ebony. I adore <laughs> you. I'm I so you. so grateful. Love you, and I can't wait to do this again. Next time, I got to get you in studio, or maybe I'll come out to where you are. We're going to get the camera. I was going to say,
2: you got to get to New York, and I'll be down there. You in the A
1: still? Yes, come on down. We'll figure it out.
2: I'll be down in A-Town at some
1: point this fall. Okay, bye, sweetie pie. Bye, too. See you later. Let me tell you all something about Ebony K. Williams. I just, I think she's such a template for how Black women, successful Black women, Um, in particular can maneuver through respective industries whether it's television whether it's music whether it's politics whether it's education, social work medically, politically, what have you successfully and also with their integrity intact so shout out to Ebony K once again super super grateful to be able to say that uh, I'm connected to someone as incredible as she is Thank you guys so much for rocking with me as usual. I so appreciate it. We are on the road to 100. We are going to hit 100 episodes of Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole before I close out this season. We're off to a great start, and we're going to continue to bring you guys the best of the best. So hold on for the ride. Appreciate y'all. Make it a great week. Talk to y'all next week. Peace. Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole is produced hosted and edited by none other than yours truly me sheree nicole to watch listen like and or subscribe to this episode or previous episodes you can go to youtube spotify apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts. have an amazing week talk to you soon Peace.
0: Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.